Hello, and welcome to a free preview of Greatest of All Talk. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Greatest of All Talk. I'm Andrew Sharp, and on the other line, Ben Goliver. What's up, man? Not too much, Andrew. You know, the results are in. The NBA has announced their all-star starters for 2024. Obviously, it's a fan vote, a media vote, a player vote. I'm not sure they nailed it, but I didn't have tons of debates that I wanted to uh, dive into. Maybe just a couple off the top, but for anybody who didn't see it, Giannis will be the captain in the Eastern Conference with Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Tyrese Halliburton, and Damian Lillard. Out West, LeBron James, surprise, surprise, will be the captain. His record 20th All-Star selection. Congratulations to him. He'll be flanked by Nikola Jokic, Kevin Durant. Luka Doncic and Shea Gilgis Alexander. So um, I would say, first of all, a couple surprises. Damian Lillard sneaks into that starting lineup back mm-hmm. in the West, Andrew, with the Portland Trailblazers. This was a guy who was on the snubs conversation. <laughs> he heads east and he immediately gets himself an all-star spot. And then the other headline I would say was out West. Steph Curry doesn't get the starting spot. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Luka Doncic claimed those starting spots in the West backcourt, which is always just a bloodbath trying to pick between all the guards in the West. Um, I didn't necessarily expect that. Steph had outperformed Shea in the fan vote, but the media and the players came to Shea's defense wow. over Steph. So what do you want to uh, dig into first? How the heck did Damian Lillard get himself a starting spot? Uh, well, you got guys like Jalen Brunson, maybe even a Tyrese Maxey, a Donovan Mitchell who have cases over Dame. Or do you want to dig into Steph Curry's waning reputation here in the NBA universe <laughs> given the Golden State Warriors' struggles? What do you think? Well, uh, I think we have to start with a tip of the cap to the players for getting Shea over Steph right. I never in a million years would have guessed that. I didn't look at the breakdown in fan voting versus media versus players, but credit to them. I don't usually trust the players to get it right at this spot. But uh, Yeah, not too much credit because we had some votes for like Tanasis. I think Steven Adams got voted oh, in yeah. as a starter by... A few of his teammates, even though, you know, he hasn't played a single second in an NBA game this year. So they did, they also didn't hit 100% across the board, just like the fans did it. But you feel like Shea deserved it over Steph. Was it because of the records, the, the stats, just that it's now Shea's NBA? Why do you think? Uh, I would just say I test night to night. Shea has been the best guard in the West, so it would have felt like a bit of an injustice to have Steph up there. I mean, even LeBron as a starter, feels like a bit of a stretch. I'm okay with it. I'm not going to like die on the hill. LeBron shouldn't be a starter, but watching the Lakers, Anthony Davis has been the best player on the Lakers this year. So having LeBron in there over AD just feels a little weird. Um, I think honestly, the only thing to really take issue with is Damian Lillard. I love that as a Western Conference elitist, you're taking credit for the East's Mm. uh, mediocrity and um, claiming that as a win. But, you know, Jalen Brunson definitely should be started the All-Star game. I really have no idea how that happened. Uh, But beyond that, you know, it is what it is. I think they mostly got it right this year. We're bringing back conferences, which I'm excited about. And so I don't have too many beefs on the way out of all this. 
Well, okay, so here are the differences between my picks and the the official picks, okay? I had Anthony Davis over LeBron James, like you said. I had Kawhi Leonard over Kevin Durant. That might surprise you, but uh, you look at Katie's season, it's been an incredible season. The advanced numbers just really don't like him on defense, and surprise, surprise, he's had this huge offensive load uh, when guys like Book and Bradley Beal have been out, so he's concentrating most of his energy on that end. But I look at the Clippers like they're one of the stories of the Western Conference, you know, and you can share the credit, uh, you know, between Kawhi and Paul George, maybe even James Harden. I don't think he's going to make the all-star team, but he should appear on people's snubs list at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just felt like they needed a representative here. And certainly LeBron, like, has not had uh, the type of season uh, to me to start in, in the all-star game, let alone be the, the captain of the Western Conference. So I guess the fans were taking some points off there just for your, uh, you know, your respect factor for the legend like if we're just saying who deserves it I think Kawhi has a better argument than LeBron does and I think Anthony Davis as well like you mentioned it's his best all-around season as a Laker you could argue his best season ever he had some years in New Orleans where it was a different team context he was a little bit younger so he put up kind of crazier box score numbers but I think in terms of consistency and impact uh, Anthony Davis has been that guy in the Eastern Conference. I did have uh, Brunson over Lillard, like you mentioned. The fans got the other four right, um, but this is not just about Lillard going from west to east and getting the starting spot. Don't forget, Kyrie Irving was a starter last year, despite all the craziness. He goes east to west. He's not even in the conversation. I don't even think he's going to get a snub talk. And yes, there might be some injury issues. Uh, that are influencing that, but he's not even on the radar in the Western <laughs> Conference. And I, I know you're real excited about this idea of like returning to the traditional all-star game. And, you know, they released the jerseys. I didn't think they were classic jerseys, you know, kind of red and blue, just solid jerseys for the all-star game. I, I guess they got some pinstripes in there, like as a nod to Hoosiers or something like that. But if you dig down into the reserve pool of like who's going to make it in the East, the last few spots, and then like the first five guys who aren't going to make it in the Western Conference, the, you know, the top end differences between the two conferences with guys like Giannis and Embiid versus say Jokic and, you know, whoever else. It's pretty uh, marginal. You know, yeah. That's pretty similar, but the depth is totally different. And if these guys take this game seriously, like Joe Dumars is demanding that they do, this could be an utter bloodbath. It could get so ugly, varsity destroying JV that we mm. decide we have to switch up the format again after <laughs> just one year. And I just want to raise the question. If all we care about in the NBA now is money and generating profits and television ratings, which seems like that's like the driving focus of the entire sport at this point. Doesn't it make sense to just have the best players, period, regardless of conference affiliation in this global sport? Should we be tied down by imaginary borders within one country? Should we not just take the best 24 players? Because there are some guys this year who are going to get left off and be really pissed and have a, you know, a justification for it in the Western Conference. And they're going to be looking over at like Julius Randle or Pascal Siakam and being like, are you kidding me? You got to listen. Be no Julius Randle slander. The Knicks have been whooping everyone's ass and Randle has been great for the last month or oh, so. Give me a break. Is the OG Ananobi trade, is that the best trade in the history of the Don't league? Try to change I think the subject. it's time to start the conversation <laughs> here. No, look, I, I your point is well taken. I, the West is deeper at the star level than the East. The East is a bit of a mess, honestly, once you get past the top four or five teams this season. Uh, and so I, the the conference battle, the banter between you and I, 
there have been more entertaining years for that conversation. At this point, I'm waving the white flag on the Eastern Conference side here. But I will say, in terms of grievances, Jalen Brunson has been spectacular this year to the point that I pretty consistently come away from Knicks games just shocked by what's happening there and rethinking everything I thought I knew about both Jalen Brunson and the Knicks in general. And a few weeks ago, I said I would consider him over Halliburton, which is like blog boy blasphemy this season. But I just feel like if nothing else, he's been every bit as impressive as Halliburton. So even if the numbers aren't quite on that same level, both of those guys have been A-plus through the first half of the year here. And so it does feel well, pretty strange to to have Damian Lillard starting over him. And Lillard, his numbers are actually pretty good. 25 points a game, seven assists. Okay. I mean, the shooting has not been great. 42%, 35% on threes. It, I think my objection to Dame is mostly rooted in what it's felt like actually watching the Bucks where like one out of every four games, you see the superstar version of Damian Lillard and you're like, oh my God, this was the best deal ever. I'm so excited that Damian Lillard is in Milwaukee. And then the other games, he's pretty good, but not quite the guy I was hoping to see when they traded for him. And so totally subjective. I haven't watched every Bucks game this year and there's been a bunch of chaos in Milwaukee, but I think... Everybody who's been paying attention to the league can agree that it's kind of ridiculous uh, to have him in there over Jalen Brunson. So not the greatest injustice in the world. And if I were a Knicks fan, I'd be like, I don't really give a shit whether Brunson starts because this is the most fun I've been having watching basketball for 25 years. Yeah, don't forget. I mean, Jalen Brunson didn't even start for the Dallas Mavericks for a while. And now he has a really strong case that he should be starting for the Eastern Conference All-Star team. And Halliburton (laughs) didn't even get the ball in Sacramento. And now he's like a no-brainer lock for the starter in the Eastern Conference. Look at you. How can you say we need to get rid of conferences? The All-Star game is like a month away. You're already in full-blown trash talk mode. You're taking me back (laughs) to Jalen Brunson as a second-round pick with the Mavs and everything else. I mean, look, this is what we need at All-Star Weekend. Maybe we need the West to just destroy the East on Sunday and, you know, 30-point blowout, but... Ben gets to talk his shit, ride his high horse, and and order can be restored to the NBA universe. Don't give me the Uh global stars versus the American stars, first of all, because I'm worried that the Americans may not win that battle, but also (laughs) because, you know, I I like having a little bit of tradition. Let's give people people something they can anchor to every All-Star weekend. No, it's funny because USA Basketball released that 41 player player pool for the Olympics to like prepare. We're going to cut down to our 12 man roster from 41. And in, in my mind, I was like, Maybe we should try to send all 41 to stop Joker. Like, <laughs> like just put them we're all on the court. In, we're pulling Embiid into the mix because we have no answer for the Serbs. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, those videos where they have like three adults playing against like 200 children on a soccer field and they're like, who can win? That's kind of how I feel like we should be trying to defend <laughs> Joker in the Olympics. But back to your points on Lillard. No, you're all over it in terms of the inconsistency of impact. And really, I think mostly you're talking about offensive impact in terms of when does Dame go up. But we know what the defensive impact has been every single night from him. And I think when you're looking at the teams that are, 
you know, in that second tier of the Eastern Conference, whether it's New York or Cleveland, like Mitchell has a better case than Lillard does as well. He's been the driving force of the offense. Lillard's right number two for Milwaukee, right? But Mitchell has been the driving force for Cleveland's offense with all these guys injured all around him. And I think that his numbers actually are more impressive. And Cleveland's record with him as the number one guy is more impressive than what Lillard's been doing there, yeah. um, you know, as the number two guy. Now, in terms of why he got it, there was like a weird tie in the way that the, uh, the voting broke down in terms of how he and Brunson finished, whether it's the media, the players and the fans. And Lillard won the tiebreaker because he had more fan votes. And there's been times in the past where Lillard has been one of the biggest snubs coming from Portland, not necessarily for a starter spot, uh, but for a bench spot, because, you know, he's one of these guys where he's putting up massive numbers for kind of an overlooked uh, small market team. There's so many great guards in the Western Conference and he doesn't get through. So you could kind of make the argument, well, like karma is sort of balancing out for him and like he is getting one of these recognitions like, uh, you know, based on reputation in a way that he didn't previously. I've seen other people sort of like scream at Knicks fans. You guys have to do a better job voting for your people, right? Mm. But, you know, Lillard's obviously a much more famous player than Brunson. It doesn't surprise me that he wiped him out in the fan vote. And it's a shame that all these checks and balances that they put into this voting process didn't actually work here. And like they still I, got I the wrong I thought the guy. reason we have all the checks and balances is because people at the NBA can just sort of make it up whenever there's like an obvious mistake and say, okay, well, the all-star games in Indianapolis were throwing Tyrese Halliburton in the starting lineup, no matter what the fans say. And maybe that's not exactly what's happening because Lillard as a starter is obviously wrong. And honestly, it's not a bold take to say that's wrong. The only reason I raise it is because there's a a more interesting conversation about like who exactly Dame has been through the first half of the season. There's plenty of time for him to find his rhythm and and like what what grade would you give him? Like if you were trying to put it on balance from here until let's say when they fired Griffin, right? Yeah. I don't think I can give him better than a C plus. I was going to say C plus, and, and oh, for sorry. Dame, well, no. great. Let's <laughs> re- reset. Take two. All right. Yeah. What grade would you give him? Well, yeah, C plus. A C plus Lillard season is still very, very good. A better offensive player than Giannis has probably ever played with. I mean, Chris Middleton's had some outstanding seasons in his own right, but I mean, C plus Lillard is still awesome. Um, I, I just. My experience watching Lillard has been over the years in Portland, like he always starts slow and then you look up in December, January, February, and he's run off like six weeks of just outrageous play. And we haven't gotten that six week stretch where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe how good Damian Lillard is. So maybe that'll happen when Doc Rivers gets there and and instills a little bit more structure offensively. Again, it's been so chaotic in Milwaukee it's hard to know how to assign blame, including with the defense. I mean, I've, I've heard a, a number of all-star podcasts that it's like, well, the Bucks aren't the same defensively, and you got to look at Damian Lillard there. I don't know if that's necessarily fair. The Bucks have been a mess defensively oh, because of do. the Adrian Griffin situation. But it like acting as though the the switch from Drew Holiday to Damian Lillard explains what's happened to the Bucks defense this season is a mistake. I, Dame is not good defensively, but he's not bad enough to tank the entire team for three months straight. And that's what the Bucks have been dealing with. So I just wouldn't necessarily factor that into the grade I'm giving Damian Lillard. I, I The Bucks traded for him for his offense, and he hasn't really been the guy they traded for 
on a lot of nights this season. That's why he's a C plus for me. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if we're saying who is to blame, I would start with Adrian Griffin. So I think we agree on that. I, I think that when you're making that trade, Drew, for, for Dame, you're expecting to jump up probably five to 10 spots in terms of offensive efficiency, but you're also expecting to drop about five to 10 spots for defensive efficiency, right? In yeah. terms of the ranking. So if they're like a top five defense last year, I think the goal should have been somewhere in that 10 to 15 range, right? Do they have enough time to be able to work their way up into that range once Doc Rivers shows up? Yeah, that's still possible. And if that's where it settles, I don't think that you're going to look at Dame's uh, individual defense as being kind of cataclysmic and ruining the whole deal. Uh, but they have work to do, and he has work to do, and I don't yep. think that he's had a good defensive season at all. In fact, the exact opposite. I think he's a part of the problem. Now, I would have liked to see him better in last year's Bucks style defense, right? Because, you know, at least you're controlling the pain. At least you're forcing certain types of threes. You're playing this calculation game that Bud liked. It didn't seem like they were calculating anything. You know, they talk about, are you playing chess or checkers? I, Adrian Griffin, I don't know what sport he was playing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I really, well, I really, he really also don't. lost the players to an extent that I think is still underappreciated nationally. Like people just were checked out. And so it was a really yeah. dysfunctional situation for a couple months at this point. But there's going to be some noticeable differences between what Lillard can do defensively, even in the best case scenario, like playoff defense versus what Drew can do. And I think a lot of Bucks observers were too harsh on Drew out the door and are now reluctant to kind of give him credit for what he actually do- does. I mean, watch Lillard try to navigate screens, not get, you know, completely blown up. Watch him try to defend any player who's bigger than him in a post up situation if he gets switched. I mean, you're trying to hide Lillard constantly. And you never had to hide Drew Holiday. You wanted yeah. him on the best matchups against just about everybody. So, um, you know, their best case scenario in terms of trying to win a title is to have the number one offense in the NBA and the number 10 defense. That should be their goal. I don't think that they have a ceiling higher than the number 10 defense, even when everybody's locked in. And so I do charge that to Lillard when we're having these kinds of conversations about do you deserve it? Because Milwaukee's the only team that had two starters. It's crazy. <laughs> like like mm-hmm. you said, they've been dysfunctional all year long. They've done nothing that makes you think, oh yeah, these guys have to be rewarded. And I think in some cases, like Giannis, despite the mess, has done a nice job of being a stabilizing influence, you know, kind of carrying people through, beating up on the kinds of matchups that they're supposed to beat up on. Like to me, I think he's, you know, uh, he's done his part and Lillard has been a, a little bit more of a, a weak link. So I guess in summary, if we're blaming, you know, who who deserves the blame for Lillard making uh, the, the starting lineup? I would say the fans for not voting for Brunson. They screwed mm-hmm. it up. I think there's still a little bit of a, you know, a, a respect factor that Lillard gets because he's been around for a long time. He's been pretty famous that it probably gets him a little bump from the players and, and some respect for the media, although he didn't do great by the media. And then I think the fans just, you know, blew it. I mean, I think that they overrate him and, you know, maybe Adidas is pushing him hard at the ballot box or something like that. But, <laughs> um, I think it's pretty close to a travesty. I mean, it's one of the worst that we've seen in a while. And uh, again, it's funny that LeBron escapes it because LeBron arguably is less deserving a starting spot than Lillard, but no one will talk about that because the Lillard one is just like sitting there as low hanging 
low-hanging fruit. Yeah, well, and the reason I'm not dying on the LeBron shouldn't be a starter hill is because it's an all-star game. LeBron's the most famous person in the sport. It'll be fun to have him involved. And so I can make that concession. I draw the line at Dame starting over Jalen Brunson. I think Brunson has been so outstanding that it's one of the biggest stories in the NBA, whereas Lillard, the, the actual story in Milwaukee, has been like, he's been pretty good, not quite as good as everybody was hoping. So it's very misleading to have him starting the All-Star game. But Well, Walt- in a similar way, though, like the Lakers are – you know, right around 500 in part because LeBron just doesn't have it anymore, right? So he's a part of the problem there. Are you one of these guys, though, would you agree if I said for every year left of LeBron's career, he should just be in the All-Star game no matter what because of what he means to the sport? Like, do you believe that take? Because I've heard that because I wrote a column saying basically move over LeBron and Steph. You guys don't deserve starting spots this year. And Steph got shortchanged. And I was surprised to see that because if you go back to look at their peaks in terms of votes in the um, all-star voting process Steph and LeBron were like real neck and neck and Mm -hmm. LeBron's votes remain strong this year and somehow all the Steph Curry fans just disappeared and didn't vote for him so I don't know what's going on there that feels a little fishy and again I don't know if I trust this voting process at all let me just say that up front it feels (laughs) like this it could just be imaginary but all like half of Steph's fans just disappeared this year right obviously down year for the Warriors but you would still expect people to uh you know be out there voting for Steph because of who he is and how popular he is and so you look at LeBron gets the starting spot KD gets the starting spot at least somewhat based on reputation and Steph Curry doesn't that seems a little bit surprising to me and I guess going forward would you agree to just treat LeBron as a you know exceptional case to every rule and just write him in no matter what? Like if he plays four more years, which I don't think he would, would you want him to start every single year as long as the fans want him to start? Well, uh, we have talked on this show and on Sharp Tech about how difficult it is to manufacture like global superstars in the modern media landscape. We're also running to, into that on the political side where we're really dealing with like a gerontocracy these days. I mean, we've got two 80-year-olds running for president in a couple months. And so uh, that was honestly my thought as I read the votes come back last night. I was like, man, LeBron could start in the All-Star game until he's like 55 years old if we're not careful. We give the fans too much power. Uh, but in terms of the sport and what feels right... I supported Michael Jordan starting in the All-Star game in his final year with the Wizards. That was a little shaky in its own right. Um, Vince Carter was actually voted in and had to step aside, did the right thing. That's a Carolina didn't man have to just step doing aside. the right thing. Didn't have to step aside. Stepped aside out of respect for the GOAT, Andrew. Well, and that was a case where the fans got it wrong and voted in Vince because everybody just loved Vince Carter, a testament to who he was at the peak of his popularity. But he was like, look, I haven't played – he was injured, I believe, that year, stepped aside for MJ, did the right thing. And so, yeah, it, along those same same lines, I feel like it's fine to have the Wizards era of LeBron uh, voted in to start the All-Star game. And it'll be more fun, feel like a bigger event with him at the center of all of it. But beyond that, I, I don't have too many passionate takes uh, about... Well, so why, why do you treat LeBron and Steph different? Are you mad about Steph not getting to start? I thought you, you said they got it right. So, I mean, Steph's not in his Wizards era yet, is he? No, he's not. But Shea is at the peak of his powers right now. He's an MVP candidate. You know, you can't keep... I, and and Luca 
we'll we'll get to Luca momentarily, uh, but his numbers the last couple months when he's played are just ridiculous. So you can't sit Luca, you can't sit Shea, and Steph, as we discussed a, a week or two back, has been a little bit uneven. The Warriors are struggling. Like I'm fine with him being a reserve. He definitely belongs in the All Star game, but it's not a crime to not have him starting. And that's a case where I do think the balance, uh, where you involve the media involve the players that worked out well let's say it was positionless and the last spot came down to lebron or steph this year who would you have gone because i think steph has a more deserving case than lebron to start this year and you know because of the positions i get why you know there's two amazing guards so somebody has to get left out that should be steph there wasn't like an amazing amazing you know candidate pool for the west front court players but there was a lot of really good candidates and i think lebron was like no higher than fifth among the front court players and yet he gets to be the captain so if it was just lebron versus steph gun to your head who should make the starting spot who would you pick so i would definitely take steph um Ooh. but it, yeah so definitely steph that's my answer yeah, so it just feels like LeBron's kind of getting escorted to the front of the line, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> it is sounds that, like you're upset. Let's... I'm not really upset. I'm like, what? No, it's an I, yeah, all-star look, game. I'm, I'm going to get over it in 30 seconds, but this idea of like it's so hard to build stars that you're describing across politics and sports and media and whatever – isn't part of the reason why it's difficult to build stars because the older generation's like sitting in those spots and it won't move off to the side, right? Like, yeah, maybe. would we have more under 30 stars if we didn't just pencil LeBron in every single year, even in years when he clearly doesn't deserve it? Mm, Feels I, like we should have an honest conversation. That's it's all worth considering. Yeah, look, I, I, I am all for it. I love a, a changing of the guard at the top of the league. One day we'll get there. Unfortunately, we're not there yet. Uh, I'm mostly just proud of you for putting Kawhi in over KD on your own personal starting lineup. I think Kawhi well, has you been do? awesome. Uh, Kawhi and Anthony Davis would have been my changes to the West okay. starters. And then the East, everybody's unimpeachable outside of Lillard, where Brunson is the obvious answer there. But um, it, it's big of you as a Kawhi skeptic to say, and, and a, a longtime KD guy to say, look, Kawhi has earned it over the last couple months, given how dominant the Clippers have been. And Kawhi has been the biggest part of that story. Um, before we move on from the all-star teams, though, as many shots as you're taking at the East and the way you're talking about the Lillard thing as an abomination, there has been no greater injustice in the last several years than Andrew Wiggins' all-star oh. starter. And that was a Western Conference problem. That was not an Eastern Conference problem. So you have to own that. And I want you to think about that when the Western Conference all-stars are beating the East by like 35 or 40 on Sunday night in a month in Indianapolis. Remember that you still have the Wiggins sin to live down. Was that 2022 NBA champion Andrew Wiggins who outperformed <laughs> Jason one of Tatum. these un <laughs> unimpeachable starter. starters, Jason Tatum? Is that the Wiggins People, you're describing? This is why Ben is the best. You can't nail him on anything. Teflon <laughs> Golliver. God damn it. Well, you're absolutely no, right. No, that was a tough one. Look, we're, we tried to forget about that. We tried to sweep that under the rug. It just can't go there. <laughs> Look, that's why we blamed the K-pop voting and we, we blamed the whole system because that was an utter disaster. That was a randomly weak year. I think there was like three or four guys injured. A lot and of injuries, it changes yeah. things. 
Here's a crazy trivia question for you. Do you know a guy who started in the Western Conference front court last year who did not even get brought up yet in our 25 minutes of breakdown of this probably won't make the team this year at all? Uh, I'll give you one guess if you'd like. Hmm. He has a letter shaved into his head, if that helps. I'm scouring my brain here. No, this is perfect because I read the exact same thing when I was doing this. <laughs> Zion Williamson last year started oh, for the Western Conference. Yeah. Big well, Z. Can that's you a Vince it? Carter starting nod <laughs> for Zion. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, uh, he has played very well this season. He's not quite the Zion we were hoping for, but I'm not going to take shots at Zion. But yeah, it speaks to the depth in the West. Surprising There's a lot of talent though. out there. Yeah. Well, surprising though that you know he was viewed in that light, you know, just twelve months ago, and that we completely forgot. I don't know if he's going to make it this year. You know, him and Ingram, it's always kind of a split ballot deal. But Zion's another one of those guys. If you just took the top twenty-four players in the league, regardless of conference, and you were really trying to drive ratings and excitement for the All Star game, you might want to make sure a guy like that was in there. You know, for trying to build up these young stars, uh, as you were discussing. But it's fine. It'll be great with Randall too. I'm sure it'll be awesome and Siakam <laughs> and whoever else you guys can squeeze together. Can't wait. Oh man. Well, I cannot believe we got thirty minutes of discussion on the All Star starters there, but again. Again, a credit to Golliver. You really dig in the crates with this stuff and, and dig into the numbers on the All-Star game. I just can't be... I, I can't bring myself to care about this stuff that much, but it is kind of a fun glimpse of where everything stands in both conferences, and I'm excited for the game this year. Hopefully it'll be less of a disaster than it was a year ago. As for actual games, Atticus says... Rivalry night was actually pretty fun in the Bay. I mean, I don't think the Kings are true rivals to the Warriors, obviously, but it's kind of wild that the last three matchups between us have been decided by one point total. I sure hope Barnes's big night will guarantee we'll still see him on the roster for the next three years. This is the familiar Atticus bitterness as a Kings fan. Great. I heard he's married to a relative of Mike Brown and therefore not likely to be traded or something like that. Um, ben, I love Rivalry Week in the NBA. I don't know whether you have any thoughts. We've gotten some fun games over the past few days. Great Knicks-Nets game earlier this week. Tremendous Kings-Warriors game Thursday night. I always love watching Harrison Barnes go off against the Warriors, given the way he was treated on the way out. Uh, Granted, he did miss that three that could have iced the Warriors in the playoffs last year. But do you have any thoughts uh, on Rivalry Week as a concept and what we've seen the last couple days? Well, I mean, you, you left out fantastic performance by my Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals rematch. Big 143-110 blowout. Who yep. cares about the fourth quarter choking when you're winning by 33 <laughs> over Spo and the boys ripping heat culture to shreds? Um, in terms of the Kings-Warriors rivalry week, I looked this up. It's pretty interesting. So since KD left... You know, which of those two teams do you think has won more games? In my head, I was like, well, you know, Golden State won that championship, but then they've had a lot of down years. They're having another down year this year. So I looked it up. Golden State actually ranks 15th in the NBA in total wins regular season since KD left. Sacramento ranks 16th, only five wins behind. There is a chance by the end of this season, Sacramento will have more wins over the last five years than the Golden State Warriors during the regular season. Now, obviously, they don't have a championship to show for it, but 
I guess my message here to Atticus, act like a rival, bro. Like you mm. guys are right there. You can't really get much closer <laughs> than that in terms of regular season performance over the last five years. And, you know, to really be a takesman here, flip it forward to the next five. Who's going to win more games in the Ooh, next five? Kings like all it. day, right? <laughs> this is going to be the decade of Sacramento dominance, isn't it? What do you think? Well, I don't know if it's Kings all day. I would say Kings for part of the day, Warriors for maybe none of the day. But uh, I'm not going to get too high on my high horse if I'm a Kings fan right now. Uh, and look... Thursday well, night. If not now, when? Like, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> this is, this is the moment to be like, yeah, we locked down Steph in the closing seconds. We proved Andrew Sharp right that you can't trust him with the game on the line. Mm. Fox is a better point guard than Curry. Fox better not get snubbed. We deserve two all-stars. Sabonis and Fox, like, now is the time to make those arguments if you're a Kings fan, is it? Because, I mean, come on, you've been putting up with this for 20 years. It's a great message from you. You know what, Kings fans? Life is too short. Talk your talk on the way out of a meaningless regular season win. Forget who won the playoff series. You won Thursday night. <laughs> you locked down Steph Curry. That's all that matters. All right, and that is the end of the free preview. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode and get two episodes every week from me, Andrew Sharp, and Ben Golliver, you can go to greatestofalltalk.com and subscribe to the show.